welcome to the Weekly Roar. I'm Grant Bruner. And I am Jared Russo. This is episode 739. Jared, are you thinking about any animals today? I am thinking about Pongo. Have I brought up Pongo on this podcast I don't think you before? Ha- I don't think you have. Pongo is the cat that my sister owns, mm. and he's a black cat, and I don't have any other information for you. Um, good. Um, I have seen videos of Pongo. I would say good cat. He is a pretty generic good cat. Um, less vomit than, than buttons? Uh, as far as I know, every cat on planet Earth vomits less than buttons. Well, that's good. Uh, I'm going to go with the animal, my ma- my animal, I'm going to go with um, our co-worker's dog, Star. Specifically, Star put through the Dolly Mini AI uh, to be pretty ridiculous. That I, uh, Dolly like thing it. is is preposterous beyond any r- regular sense of, of the imagination. It's just ridiculous. Yes, there, I mean, like, yes, there is, there is some novelty to it, and then... Uh, it, it is silly to be able to put in anything, and I, I, I do kind of like that. And I also like that part of it, uh, part of the art of it is that it is like how humans observe it, and less so what is actually being put out, because like we can provide meaning to the thing that obviously has no meaning because a robot made it. Um, I think that's pretty cool, uh, but like you fool around with it for like an hour or whatever and then it's like all right listen i've i've put through all the words that i need to put through here we can move on <laughs> like what do Pikachu. you want to talk about first uh i'm thinking about x files so okay. when we had um when we had t- talked like we had, you know did a little bit of a debrief after the first x files podcast we did um you were like, ah, you know, maybe we shouldn't go point by point, um, and maybe we should do more. So we're going to talk about four episodes. I'm like, all right, okay, fine. Like, that's fine. I'm not going to take notes, uh, so we won't have to go through the notes, and then it'll be fine. And then I feel like I have watched the last three, so of the we were watching episodes three through six. I watched um, four through six in the last 24 hours. And I feel like it's just all that shit immediately lose my brain after after I watch it. Like every thought I have about anything immediately lose my brain if I don't take notes. So that was a that was a mistake, uh, and I will be not doing that next time. So uh, I think we'll start with Squeeze, which is episode three. This is the first Monster of the Week episode, as they call it in the in the X Files. Uh, oeuvre, um, which is to say that, like, this isn't, like, about the main plot. This is about some, you know, small thing. Which isn't to say that there isn't main plot stuff inside of it. Like, some stuff that touches on things that are important to the the broader Mulder Scully story. But, uh, I do think that this is a pretty, this is a pretty solid way to start off the, the Monster of the Week. What do you think, Jared? So, I like these Monster of the Weeks. I just dropped my pen. I like these Monster of the Week episodes way more than the uh, narrative arc building of aliens and secret government dudes just because there's more variety mm-hmm. I feel like they're just more sort of narratively cohesively sound like you kind of just you get the thing you get in you get out there's a tidy bow and then there's always one scene afterwards that show that the threat's not gone which yeah. is always funny to me um, the reason I, I, I thought that the last time we talked about it didn't quite work with my sensibility is that like I'm impatient so I like just go 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 we were taking way too much time we were too mm-hmm. slow going beat by beat by beat by like we'd be here for like 10 years talking about every episode but here's the thing um, Jared this wasn't that what we did wasn't beat by beat because if I was actually going beat by beat it would have been like 10 times slower <laughs> 
like that it, is because I would have gone see I would have gone scene by scene like al- almost like like not frame by frame but like it would have been like hey here is this thing I think is pretty interesting so uh, to me it felt like we were going at a good pace but to you it felt like we were crawling you know we're just different people Grant and that's all right the st- the definitely it is it is incredibly apparent uh. You know, we obviously we work together and there are things that are, are apparent, but I do feel like this podcast is especially apparent of like just the way you and I both approach the task of watch some X-Files and then talk about it. Very different. Yeah, I like winging it. And um, I'm also more fascinated in the viewership numbers than I am like the plot of the episodes. Like I'm more of a vibe person. But on Wikipedia, just to refresh my memory going through each episode and the sort of like central description of the plot. At the end, it says how many millions of viewers each episode got. Do you know how many viewers this show averaged? Uh, it was pretty high. Uh, I, I I think you can actually, I think there's like a summary. Like if you go to, I think it's the main X-Files Wikipedia page. This is just off the top of my head. I don't, I'm not, I don't have it up in front of me, but I think that there is like a season by season, like here's the average per season. And, and you know, this, <laughs> it started in the early nineties. So those numbers are going to be really, high compared to what uh, like a, what a popular show is now because of like these, a popular show episodes, now is now like a like couple million and the here is like 20 million yeah they're getting double digit numbers like yeah. every week which is i can't fathom thinking that because like it's like game of thrones the most popular show two million people watch i was like what that's it yeah, because everything's so scattered now this was on this was on the tv this was on the tv that everyone had in the 90s it was the primary way that people engaged with media in their home was what is on the terrestrial the television. TV. We all had the same TV. Yeah. It was we watched a- the same news and we watched the same sports and we all watched the same thing. Like pretty much like, hey, like, listen, obviously there's like regional stuff. And so it's, but it's like, Hey, are you in the Philly market? Everybody's watching the same fucking things. Like, oh, Hey, you're, you're not going to watch mash. What are you going to do? Watch the other bullshit on the three other channels. <laughs> Like, so, was there just not enough to do out in the world? I don't understand. Yeah, like, I, I do think so. And it's a, you also have to imagine, like, listen, the, like, the internet existed, even the web even existed in, like, whatever, 1993 or whatever. But it wasn't popular like it is now. Like, people weren't dicking around on their phones now. Or they didn't have, like, 8,000 streaming options then. It, it, it is, it's like, this was on, so it's going to have, like, by default, a fuckload of people watching it. Are you blaming phones for the demise of terrestrial tv i mean i don't think it is like causal but i think that it is like okay well now that there is other things that means that like <laughs> the the interest is diluted i don't think it is phone specifically i'm not i'm not mr uh kids are always on their phones <laughs> but um i do think that those are they're like related but not necessarily causal i'm but- turning into that person <laughs> Um, squeeze, I, I think squeeze, um, thinking back, which is difficult, even though I only watched this a couple days ago and had seen it before and it is still difficult for me to remember. Um, the thing about it that I think works is that the primary antagonist is so spooky, even, even when he is not like in his like prime, like at, you know, like at the peak of, of like revealing here's some bad shit. Even when he is like, I'm supposed to be a normal person, very effective at, at giving creepy. Uh, fun fact. This was written by, co-written by James Wong, who directed the Final Destination movies. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. I am super into the monster of the week, as I, as I mentioned, and the weirder each villain is, the more I'm into it. So you can absolutely sign me up for glowing eyes 
mm-hmm. around for a hundred years, eats newspapers, and squeezes through things like Kirby. Yeah, it's pretty good. And the, the, the really, the long fingerprint, I think it's pretty good. Oh, yeah. I mean, what's really sad is that, like, the reason why I watch this show is mainly because I just want the 90s nostalgia of, like, looking at people's homes and how they dressed and, like, life was just more simple back then. Mm. And that's what I want. I just want to go back to that time. And this is probably, like, the best way for me to do that currently. Um there's also some detective stuff and there's some cool spooky stuff, but it's mainly like, I'm just like, wow, look at the interior design of this home while like someone's being murdered, you know, yeah. like, yeah, I mean, it, de- it definitely is interesting. And it, it is like, a, it is at an interesting point in culture in, in kind of in the same way that the matrix is in that, like you have these like inklings of, of modernity, like, p- like Scully and Mulder have cell phones, but they're still like, Oh no, somebody cut the line to my landline. <laughs> like that is still a thing that exists in the show. So they I think memorize that, phone numbers. Exactly. That's, that's a big so, thing. so like that it is it is the in in that that weird like middle period that you and I both grew up in, which is like Oh, things are starting to move into where things are going, but there are so many remnants of what had been in, you know, let's say like middle century. There, there's, you are, you are transitioning. We were in a transitional period in the nineties. We are truly the last generation to experience certain things. And it makes me feel like my parents when I was younger, when they would talk about like their childhood and what they didn't have. And I would be like, you guys are so old, like hearing about like, not just rotary phones or whatever, like rabbit ears, but it was just like, just the way everything was this whole, like you go outside and you play and then someone would yell out for dinner and just like that style of life in the sixties and seventies hearing about it. I was like, God, that just feels so old. And now I'm like explaining to my roommate who's five years younger than me. Like you don't remember watching nine 11, like Mm -hmm. what, you know, like. Just explaining, like, yeah, I had to remember phone numbers and calling up someone's house and the parent answered. And, um, wow, there's a lot of – what is going on inside my window? There's, like, a motorcycle and, like, you. an ambulance. They're coming. Dude, it happens every five minutes. Um, um, I want to power through it. But, yeah, it just, like, it makes me feel like a crazy old person explaining this. And it's, like, now I'm trapped in the, like, that's it. You're no longer young. You missed it. Like, you're you're old. Everyone who is younger than you will never understand what life was like back then. Yeah. It's because it's true. We're old now, Jared. Um, I do. It is. It is funny though. I can remember my best friend uh, from in like I don't know, like middle school onward. In in as a kid, um, I can remember his his parents' phone number, um, super easily. But I have real trouble remembering the digits to my wife's cell phone number because I never dial it. It's just been in my phone for over a decade. And so when it's something, when I need it, which is a very rare, but when I do need it, I'm like, oh, shit. Um, I have the rough digits, but what is the order shit? When you wake up in a hospital bed and they're like, we need to call your wife, sir. You're going to be like, oh, oh, damn it. Oh, just hold on. Wait, no, hold on. Give me a piece of paper. Let me scramble the numbers around. Yeah, well, guess what? I'm, you're going to be able to call the home of Ralph Keefe, Ralph and Nancy Keefe. You're getting, you're getting the phone number. Um, yeah, shout outs. Um, so yes, uh, that's, that's the only number I'll be able to, I'll be able to give. Or I, I can remember my house had, um, 
my, I was, I grew up with basically my, my, my dad had designed the house to be like two houses combined into one where the, the second half of the house was my grandmother's house, basically. So it is basically like two houses smushed into one big building. And so there was two phone lines. There was like my, fa- like my nuclear family's phone line and then my grandmother's phone line. And then like as my grandmother got old and then died, um, it's like, okay, well, we'll use this for dial up because that's. <laughs> <laughs> that you needed to use phone numbers to dial into the internet. Um, and so like, I can remember those numbers. Those don't exist anymore or like whatever they exist, but they're not, my parents don't own them, but I can, re- I can tell you those well, like in a heartbeat. <laughs> the, the human brain is truly the, the greatest double-edged sword ever discovered. Yes. I guess I'll, I wasn't invented, but like the, the things it is capable of doing are both, mind-bogglingly good and truly wickedly evilly cursed yeah definitely uh anything else to say about squeeze before we move on yes so i i have notes grant yeah i did you a solid and i wrote down notes i have one sentence for every episode okay what's your sentence for squeeze there was a great transition. There was a shot of uh, Mulder reading the newspaper about the story they had just solved. And then it pulls back and it's being ripped and eaten by the guy in the cell at the end of the episode. I was like, that is a great shot. That is a terrific edit. So whoever did that, shout outs to that person. Yeah, there's some really good stuff. Um, I, I think it was, I, I'm trying to remember which episode it was in, but there was, uh, um, it was the, I think it was in Shadows. I think it was in in episode six. There's a, there's there's a scene where um, you have like the shadowy government people who are interviewing um, the lady and they go in and they walk out and then just like a, like a, the, the shot is still like the camera is still and then you see uh, Mulder and Scully walk out and it's like, yeah, man, they're like they're they're doing some stuff here. Like they are there is some like cool blocking and not necessarily like camera work like oh and then they whip the camera here or like but you know like there's some cool stuff that they're thinking about it, the the show visually there are some nice flourishes and i really really enjoy not only the uh sex and the city let me read out loud to the audience the notes i'm typing into my computer with with scully yeah but there's some like really cool like dissolves and like nice like smooth editing and like just to kind of make it a little more visually interesting than just watching someone at a computer typing notes um i feel like a lot of that stuff is is not just taken for granted now but like it like you've seen breaking bad and better call Saul, right uh no i have seen i have seen uh shots of of breaking bad but i have not i have not sat down and watched it so everything is very meticulously planned and everything is like either like a really long one or like they attach the camera to things to give you cool perspectives. Like they really do like push the boundaries of like cinematography in a really awesome way. Mm-hmm. This is way more like if you notice it, you'll get a kick out of it. But if you're just a regular stooge watching, you would like not think twice. Yeah, it's not it's not like avant-garde it's not not avant-garde but like it is good like they are they are doing a good job um but yes love love the dude squeezing through things definitely laughed when he looked at the little slot for food at the end and was like oh i could squeeze through that 
And I was like, yeah, okay, buddy, yes. uh, you weird fly insect man. Yes. So I think Squeeze is pretty good. Um, Conduit, yeah. which is also, like, I, I feel like most of these are, are pretty Monster of the Week, even though, even though, uh, Conduit is arguably, like, like, okay, it's, it's laying out some stuff about what is driving Mulder. So, like, there is some Mulder sister stuff going on here that is, yes, like, the that, missing sister. Um, that is, like, drive, that is kind of, like, the big driving force of, of the X-Files, basically. And so it does, it does have that, but, but the, I, the majority of the episode isn't about that. The majority of the episode is just like, hey, there's a, a, a abduction question mark. <laughs> like, something is happening. Um, I feel like this is significantly weaker than Squeeze. It's funny you say that, because in terms of, like, UFO sighting episodes, I think back to episode two, mm-hmm. Deep Throat. Yeah. Which, my lord, they call that episode Deep Throat. They did. I like this a lot more than that episode because that one felt so scattershot with, like, what was going on and the sort of, like, the details of the aliens and whatever. This felt much more cohesive in that it was, like, the things were burned by bright light. Mm-hmm. And, like, they kept noticing that. And uh, clearly this this little boy, like, with the with the cool binary code and, like, the TV, and then, like, they're on the stairs and they see, like, the... Like, that stuff worked so much better for me than, than Deep Throat, which was just a big, like, he went to Area 51 and he got surgeried and we're just never going to talk about it, and I don't know, and it was just like, what? Like, that was much more confusing and, and, and challenging for me than this. This I was so much more into. See, I, I think part of it is that, like nothing with with the second episode with deep throat there's a lot of like intrigue and a lot of like oh what is what is this because you're like you're introduced to to like the informant that that Mulder is is dealing with in the kind of like the more the like the main arc stuff um and i think that is is really intriguing and kind of kept me attached with here I don't think any of it, I don't think it's bad. I don't think that the, like really any of these early episodes I don't think are like um eye rolling. I just feel like there's there's I think about Squeeze and I think about the next one that we'll talk about Jersey Devil and I'm like, "Oh, there's all these like visual elements that like stick with me that I think back and I'm like, "Oh, that thing, oh, went the bile, t- disgusting. I hate the like I love it, but I hate it." Um with this, I feel like there was like nothing for me to really hang my hat on. I don't know. The whole like the the code that he's just like oh hey kid like you're you're something's going on with this kid and he is writing these numbers down and then like the government's like whoa buddy Mueller you can't have that that's that's like secret codes to stuff like that was such like a cool twist on like the poltergeisty like child oh they're they were here they're there um I don't know man I just sometimes like. <sighs> There are just, like, these little things where I'm just like, it's been forever since I've seen that. Like, I've seen uh, what ASCII art where it's, like, just a bunch of symbols that, like, if you zoom out, like, it looks like a person. Like, there's, like, you know, like, that's, like, early era ASCII art. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it's the next one in Jersey Devil. There's, like, the little, like, grave that the wolves are around, like, the little plot. Like, yeah. they bury the person. Like, stuff like that. Or I'm just like, this reminds me of, like, True Detective Season 1 where there's all these visual flourishes that, like, they're just – these little appealing things that kind of like, it's like a little hook in your brain. It's just, it's much better than the law and order. Like this person's dead. We're going to go to their apartment. The neighbor didn't know anything. Then we're going to go talk to the boyfriend. The boyfriend didn't know anything. And then we're going to go get lunch. And it just, it's all visually stale. It's all the same. Whereas mm-hmm. this, it's like, they're going to different places. And at least like the, the quote unquote monster of the week, like uh, until we get to, I don't know, season two or three, where it's like, 
oh, he has another spooky kid, I guess. Is that the, what, what spooky kid, you know, like, do they ever, like, repeat? I Listen, there's, like, 11 seasons and two movies and two spinoffs. There has to be a repeat somewhere. I'd, and also, like, listen, the, there's going to be alien stuff. Like, whether or not, like, how similar those are, you know, I think is, is varied. But, yeah, there's only so much spooky stuff when you have that much content. There's over 200 episodes of, of The X-Files, Dirt. Do they at least keep a consistent, like, through line of, like, what the aliens look like, what they're doing, or is it just, like, so there's, uh-huh. like, there's like, big, there's, like, big stuff aliens, like, like, the main line arc that I th- is very, is, I think, pretty consistent throughout, is my understanding, but then there's, there's going, there is inevitably going to be, like, one-off stuff where it's, like, these are aliens, these aren't the main aliens, these are miscellaneous aliens, <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. and what, what is your one, what is your one line note for Conduit? Uh, I actually have two. One of them is more generic about all these episodes. There's a lot of character actors who I keep looking at and going, you're from things. I know you're from things. And it would not surprise me if the deeper in we go on the show, the more famous the character actors will become. Yeah. I mean, the same it way did that start off with like, me. like Seth Green, like, okay, listen, that's true. But like, my mom texts me all the time about like Law and Order repeats and like all these famous people like, oh, look, it's Robin Williams. Oh, look, you know, it's just like, wow, a lot of people are on Law and Order. Uh, this has that potential. I feel it. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. Like, I can think I get some things are already popping up in my head. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that these episodes like there's one um, like a really famous one that I think I think won an Emmy that has Peter Boyle in it. <gasps> oh, I love Peter Boyle. So and I think that is like one of considered like one of the very best episodes, like like Monster of the Week episodes. Um, oh, I don't know how, I'm so how excited. I've not seen it, but I do like I know that it exists because it is like in the the culture but uh, i don't know how far into it it is um what is the other note for a conduit on the phone he says the following quote and i don't want to get any flack for saying a certain word but he says quote uh i'll get you good redskin tickets mm-hmm. which is such a dc thing to say mm-hmm. like such a deeply like guy who is in the know who works somewhere in D.C. for some sort of government agency would have tickets to go see the Washington professional football team. Yeah. Um, that I feel like there's been, I don't know if you know this, but um, for the last like 30 to 40 years, the quality of the team has dropped so far downwards that they're the like one of the worst attended like they went from being like packed house all the time because they were good in the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s to no one goes. The owner's horrible, is the worst owner in the sport, and there's just so few people who go now. I only imagine it's like companies and government bodies just get free tickets to things and like give them out as favors, which is very particularly funny to me as like a hardcore sports person. Mm-hmm. So I, I I am not a sports person, but I would imagine based on my understanding. It is saying something to say that you are the worst owners, because <laughs> it is my understanding that there are a number of real dickheads that are that are stakeholders in the NFL. I would go as far as to say that Dan Snyder, who owns the Washington Commanders, as they're known now, is probably the worst owner in all of North American sports, like bar none. Like you could argue he's maybe number two, but like most people would consider him to be number one. That's the worst owner. That's saying something. That is saying something because every time I ever hear any sports people talk, um, and I'm forced to hear it, it is like, oh man, those owners, real assholes about whatever fucking team they're talking about. It's because usually when a story breaks and then an owner is involved in 
an affair, a pregnancy, something they said on tape, money problems, uh, sexual assault, uh, harassment. They typically sell the team and they're removed. Dan Snyder has been in so many controversial lawsuits that he's been able to fight away for like 20 years. He's somehow never been kicked out or forced to leave. I guess he's just because he's too powerful and rich. So he's like the next person on the guillotine for the axe to fall. And people have been like, this has been like way too long now. Like, when is he going to like go? I do think it is funny. So I, I, again, I'm not a sports person, but I do know that at some point Donald Trump tried to buy a sports team. I'm sure you you know more about that than I do. Not only did he try to buy the Buffalo Bills, but he tried to buy the USFL. And like that, he basically like, yeah, he wanted to like own a sports team. It's so funny that in in the realm of rich assholes, even Donald, like, like they were like, listen, we, we are rich assholes. We're not we're not that bad. <laughs> it's incredibly hard to buy a sports team because you're not just in a store and you don't give someone two billion dollars and then you just get it like all the other owners have to like vote on it and then there's a whole plan of like what you're doing with the city and the local municipality and the mayor about like the stadium and like taxes and like it's much more messy usually because there's like multiple owners and like a group because no no one has two to four to five billion dollars just laying around for the most part unless you're steve Ballmer. so like it's very complicated how is how is like Elon Musk and and Jeffrey Bezos not just like bought every NFL team. I mean Paul Allen owned the Seahawks. Sure. Steve Ballmer owns the Clippers. So like big tech people have owned things before. Nintendo owned the Mariners. Yeah. There's I think they're still part owners. I think they they, they sold the vast no, majority but they have like yeah, a, they, a, a, a like a novelty share. Um, Anyways, the X Files. We're gonna get to the Jersey Devil because I know you want to talk about this. It's the, it is it, to date. So I have I have I have watched um, into half of the second season. This is to date my favorite episode of X Files, which is not to say that it is necessarily the best episode, but I do think it is great, and it is the reason why I wanted to talk about the X Files on the podcast is. Everything about this episode, I think, encapsulates what is good about the X-Files. Um, the monster, ridiculous. Um, not only is it ridiculous, like, in the world, but it is ridiculous out of the world. Um, you and I both live adjacent to New Jersey. Um, New Jersey sits between us. And, uh, so I assume that you are familiar with the Jersey Devil stories. Far, far too well, Grant, especially since the hockey team named themselves after them. And so I am as well. The, it is hilarious that the, that it, it, like right off the bat, they're like, it's like an East Coast Bigfoot. And it's like, no, it fucking isn't. Like, it's a weird goat demon. What are you fucking talking about? Man. What He's the fuck are you talking man. about? That's the, it's like they wanted Bigfoot. They wanted to do a story about Bigfoot, but they they couldn't like justify the budget to go to the Pacific Northwest or something. And they're like, I guess we could go to New Jersey. It's so bizarre. It's so funny that they're like, well, what if we just lie? <laughs> Most people aren't from New Jersey. It'll be fine. Yeah, they, they really just cop out and they don't commit to finding a little imp demon beast yeah. man thing that looks like the sidekick from the animated Hercule- Hercules movie. Yeah. Voiced by Dana DeVito. That's what like I always thought of. Yeah, there's like a like the canonical drawing that when when people bring up the Jersey Devil that it's like that singular image with like the wings and like the hooves and the weird and demon the horns. horns. Yeah, it's like there is there is an established folklore. So to be like I don't know, it's like Bigfoot is is ridiculous. Um, Mulder is a total um dipshit <laughs> here episode. He is deranged. Um, he. <laughs> 
he the way he talks to the to the like the the expert like the like human evolution expert or whatever um is like but wouldn't it be true that if somehow a neanderthal came around they could eat us all and the guy's like i guess and the and mother's like aha what if anthropologists what if he only ate livers and wolves were his parents like that is like crackpot nut job it's so good it's so good and so the the thing that really seals it for me is that drawing of bigfoot of like it is like they traced the the canonical bigfoot image where of like looking backwards and then just drew a big fat set of tits on the bigfoot and then Mulder was like hmm yes what if it was a woman bigfoot is extraordinarily funny to me. Yes, this homeless man's uh, drawing and where he slept in a in a weird alleyway one night. This is the lead I need to so- to break this case to solve this thing. And whatever there's, it's like they're they're it's like they're humans, but they're like wild humans. Um, it's like the answer is how it resolves. Um, and then I was like really really not into this one. But okay, so you didn't like it. I think that this is this is this is great. What is it that? Because you came into it being like, I want ridiculous, and I feel like this is the one that fucking delivers was, the ridiculousness. It was goofy, and but then it like quickly like isn't about the Jersey Devil at all. It's just about like a weird caveman woman. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not saying it's like the worst episode, but like I, I think the next two, which one of them we're not even going to talk about, because I, I just watched seven today, thinking that we were going to talk about seven. I was much more into those. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's so interesting me, because yeah, I it, I think that I think that like Shadows, the next one, is significantly less interesting. Like I think that like Squeeze and Jersey Devil are are like the the of these four are the ones that I like, and Conduit and Shadows are the ones that I'm like eh. That is so fascinating that, like, we both like the show, but for di- very different reasons and very different episodes. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to blow your mind. Go for it. But I but I have to find the name of, of the television program my family watched that this reminds me of. Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction, starring Jonathan Frakes? Frax? Oh, yeah, the Star Trek guy. That show, which reenacts either true or fake stories about mm-hmm. things like this. Yeah, yeah. That's what the Jersey Devil episode reminded me of. It was watching an episode of Beyond Belief Factor Fiction, which yeah. I, I do want to rewatch. I'm mostly Just aware of that it. through, like, its mimetic potential, because it's like Jonathan Frakes being like, it's true. Uh, and then people, like, matching that up with ridiculous bullshit on the internet. Have you ever gone uh, biking in the moonlight? You know, just, yes, you just exactly. him holding, like, a vase of, like, whatever, and just be like, have you ever eaten one of these? Uh, God, that show is so great. Um, so yeah, I, I think that the Jersey Devil, it, it works for me. And also, also, it has like the, the, so like the A plot, you know, Mulder's obsessed with the Jersey Devil, aka not the Jersey Devil. Um, but the B plot is that, um, Scully has like a, I don't know, like a, she, she, she has this like, oh, should I be dating? Like, you know, Mulder's so attached to his work. Maybe I should like actually have a life. And she goes on a date and there's clearly some like implied jealousy, which is, I think is interesting, um, between like, or not necessarily like outright jealousy, but like Mulder is very protective, clearly very protective of Scully. And Scully likes, it seems like the dude seems to be totally okay. Like he's, they don't, they don't, they're not like, ugh, all the people that, that would Scully would date are assholes. They're not nearly as good as, as, uh, Mulder. Like, 
that guy seems okay. It's not like, uh, you know, going to win an award, but like she went on a date with a dude and everything they show you about that guy seems like a normal dude that is like, yeah, all right. Yeah, sure. Scully could date that guy. That's fine. Um, it, and she yeah. like very much rejects him. This is, this is what I was actually into. This B plot about her personal life. Mm-hmm. That I found more enjoyable to watch. Learning about Mulder's, I keep confusing Mulder and Scully in my brain, but I, I just want to call them David DeCompany and Julian Anderson. Learning about like the missing sister and what drives him and learning about like her kind of like push and pull of like work life balance and like yeah. going on a date and like running into like, uh, was it her sister who had like the, the birthday party? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was exactly. It was a, it was a sister for Scully's nephew. Yeah. That was more enjoyable for me. And in my one note for each episode, I thoroughly enjoyed that birthday party because a dog ate birthday cake and then there was a kid in a gorilla mask. Yes, yes, it does cut to like, it goes from like Mulder being like <clears throat> eight person and then it like, well, clearly what is a commercial break because you know, obviously yes. you're not watching it with commercials is like, it's a gorilla mask. Ah! That was uh, fantastic. Very good. Very good. Highly good. Also, I like, um, I think that in these episodes, I, I think the, the part where Mulder is interacting with kids, I think is in the next was, uh, is either in Conduit or Shadows. I don't remember which one it was. Uh, and then this one where you see Scully interacting with kids, it's like, oh, hey, like both of these characters are like pretty good about interacting with kids. I think what I like about Shadows and about this B plot in Jersey Devil is the combination of weird monster of the week with something else like the two affecting each other in like a way that you had not expected like that's what i want like i want the monsters they're encountering to to be not like personal to them but like start messing with stuff like on in their off hours like in a way that like is like with shadows they have to like bring in the fbi to like find you know like wrongdoing with this company or whatever yep in the middle of them with like a ghost case and it's like the ghost and like they're like breaking into the office like those start clashing in a way where it was like oh of course the ghost would close the door so that no one else could see what's going on with this ghost thing but like they're also doing their fbi agent jobs at the same time like that's a little more interesting to me definitely um so i i think that like they're it's not like it's not like they're they haven't they haven't grasped what is going on in like well, like how these characters interact or what the show is, but I definitely feel like we are still in the in the period of this like first season where things are I think less that are not they're not bad, but I think that they are less um like like hitting a certain quality in that uh, there are there are ups and downs in in how good things are executed. I think in these in these first couple of episodes um, that I think are still pretty good, but uh, I I think that as the season progresses, they do become more solid. At least that's how I remember it, which is, you know, I watched it a couple of months ago, I guess. Um, I remember thinking like, okay, as the season progresses, which is like, it's a pretty long season. It's because this was made in the 90s. So it's like a 22 or 24 episode season, um, which gives you a lot, you know, a lot of time to, to refine your shit in, in a season instead of like, yeah, this episode or this season is six episodes. So, and we all shot, we shot them all back to back, which is how so much of like what modern production is like. Um, this, this model, this old model that is so rarely used now, like gives you the ability to actually like refine how you do your thing in a single season. Uh, I don't know if I should bring this up now, but on Wikipedia, which mm-hmm. is where I get all my information. It's pretty good. Uh, true, 
It's pretty good. Pretty great. I'm reading at the bottom that this won an Emmy for Outstanding Individual Achievement in Graphic Design and Title Sequence. This episode, Jersey Devil? Oh, no. This show. Okay. Like Just X-Files, X-Files in general. Like like that opening montage thing. And the music was nominated, but it didn't win. It's good music. I like that music. It's also a great title sequence. Which The title sequence is hilarious because it's it's almost like um it's like a like a, a montage put together on YouTube to be like, open your third eye. Yes. Um not quite I, amateur hour, but uh I, and I also learned that contemporary reviews in 1993 and 4 widely praised Squeeze because it was profoundly creepy. Oh, it's really uh, creepy. Uh, some other episodes that we've not gotten to yet. Uh, and the Jersey Devil was described as pretty silly. It is and silly, but that's the good part. The plots for Shadows and some other episodes were panned for being too similar to each other, which means the episode I liked called Shadows, there's going to be more of it. That's good. I mean, I, I'm glad that, you, that there's there's stuff to look forward to. I mean, like, yeah, listen, like, there's a lot of episodes of The X-Files. They deal a lot of, like, alien shit and a lot of government conspiracy shit. And if you're not okay with them dealing in the same realms of things, you're going to have a bad time. I, I like the vengeful boss whose secretary was like a daughter to him. And then she's like, you know, in some in some deep shit. Yeah. And he's there to murder anyone in her way. Yeah. Great. The, so let's just, let's let's get, get into shadows straight up. Um, the the um, the woman who the, like the the main woman who is who is like the has not necessarily she doesn't have necessarily the telekinesis but the telekinesis is impacting her life um she I, i'm like oh i must have seen things with with her in it there's no way because she looks so familiar and then i looked at like her imdb list and i'm like uh okay i don't think i've seen anything or like i don't really remember any of these particularly i think she just has a face that is like every like tv show had somebody who looked like this in the 1990s grant the final note i have is this hot lady's been in things i've seen probably i mean like maybe like you may have seen her specifically that's totally possible her name's lisa waltz um, it's totally possible, and I'm sure, like, if I, if I dig in that there are probably things that I have seen, but I w- went being like, this lady looks familiar, and I'm like, no, no, I, I went in thinking that there would be a singular, like, ah, oh, it's where I know her from, and the answer was, like, not really. I guess she reminds me of, of, yeah, different people, but, like, I, I really enjoy the, like, corporate dude in a suit getting his comeuppance in this and the next episode, which again, I, I watched because I thought we were going to talk about it. Um, that I enjoy. And I enjoy each of these episodes, six and seven, for different reasons. Um, maybe because they're not so hokey. They're not mm. so like it was just a, a cave woman out in the woods who did this. Um, but I just like seeing them do a invisible ghost person doing telekinesis without CG. That that I enjoy seeing how they were they were able to kind of pull that off. And I also because maybe she was so hot and I kept kept staring at her going, She's from things. I was more interested in her case. Yeah. Um, but that might just be uh, you know, my libido talking, my mojo. Uh she was in she was in seven episodes of nine oh two one oh. She was in an episode of Castle. Uh she was in an episode of CSI Miami. Uh she was in an episode of Cold Case like so like none of these are like, oh yeah, that thing I watched definitely. <laughs> I guess she just has one of those faces. I don't know, man. I, I think that there was just a type. Like in the nineteen nineties, they're like, we we need 
we're we're casting for this. We need somebody who looks like this. Um, I also th- I think that she maybe reminded me a little bit of. Did you? Um, you might you might be slightly too young. Do you remember the Torkelsons? No, but okay. how dare you think of me as being young? No, no, no. But like I, because like it came it, it came out in like 1991, and so like I was just on the tail end of remembering the Torkelsons. So like if I can barely remember it, I would imagine that you would have an even harder time remembering it. Um, I but- was a baby in 1991. Yeah, so like Connie Ray, I think uh, is not that they don't look identical, but I think that there is like a vibe between the two that I'm like maybe that's it, maybe maybe I'm thinking of the Torkelsons lady. It's possible, I don't know. But anyway, the shadow uh, shadows, um, pretty good. I think that the um, the blood in the bathtub, obviously, like it's pretty simple. It's not like it's some complicated effect, but I think it's really effective. I agree. Um, I'm like, yeah, this, that would be really freaky if that happened. You if you if the blood <laughs> the your your uh, bathtub is just starts being like, oh, here's reenacting the murder of your boss. You'd be real freaked out. So I, I think that that was that was like a very spooky moment. I think that like in general they do when they are going for uh the gross out as Stephen King would say. Um, I think they do a pretty good job of being like, ah, oh no. <laughs> Ah, yes, I don't want this to be happening. Please save us, Mulder and Scully. I think they execute that pretty well. I, I really enjoy the uh, the things moving on their own, um, practical effects. I really enjoy the, um, not the creepy, like, he touches her, but just like the, oh, this ghost is going to, like, Darth Vader force choke you. Yeah. Um, her just, like, trying to hide and the ghost, like, protecting her. And um, later in the episode when there's, like, two different government agencies trying to like break her for like information and they're like fighting with each other like again like that's like when the monster of the week starts impacting Mulder and scully's personal life or their like job job where it's like people are like messing with their investigation for different reasons based on like we wanted this computer ai for the you know department of defense or like she's gonna help us like bust this company wide open or whatever like that's when it like opens up a little more into just not just like do you know that there's a cave woman running around the forest of New Jersey? Man, I I love how ridiculous it is. And I also lo- I also love what an asshole what an asshole Mulder is in that episode. Yes. He's such a dickhead. Um and, and I kind of like that. And he's also like, hey, homeless guy, are you hustling me? Like, fuck off, Mulder. You're such an it. ass. I want him to be even more of a dick because he needs to get to the truth, goddammit. Uh, what, oh, also, I didn't call it out. I think, I think, uh, in Conduit, I think that's where at the very end you hear, um, Mulder say, like, in a recording of his, like, when he's doing, like, his regression, like, hypnosis stuff, um, talking about his sister being, di- uh, uh, abducted. I almost said diagnosed. Abducted. Um, he's, he says the thing, like, I want to believe. It's like, did you stand say, up and start applauding? Um, no, I did not. I did not start applauding, but it's like, yeah, all right. Like, like, besides the truth is out there, which is like, in in like impact font in, in in the opening credits um i want to believe is like the secondary like tagline of the show so it's like oh they they did it they said the thing um so it's good i i i like the i like these episodes in general especially the jersey devil um and i am excited about getting into like the meat of the now now that like things have really been uh laid down i mean i am interested in discussing what happens next of like when when we're in the middle of the season when we're just like okay we have to grind it out <laughs> what's the rest of the season look like uh i am excited about looking at that are the other seasons this long? Yeah, dude. I mean, oh. like, the, so like the stuff when they come back, 
like when it's like you know they've been off the air for 12 years or whatever and they come back those seasons aren't as long but like the nine that came out in a row like the original run they are all like 22 24 like that that out yeah that's how tv used to be that sucks (laughs) at least with comedies they're half hour yeah these are these are long like they 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 are like because also like commercials there weren't as many commercials in the early 90s as there are now so like these episodes are like 46 47 48 minutes long um if you're where you're making like a a a, uh, an hour long a quote-unquote hour long tv show for a network now it would probably be like 42 minutes um so yeah it is it is there is a lot there is a lot to get through um oh well i i i'm i i there's plenty to enjoy i'm sure there's a lot of bullshit along the way but that's exos everybody let's talk about naughty three so i uh last week i had talked to robin laughlin about some of the stuff that had come out i talked about um the sony show and i talked about the um (laughs) jeff Keeley show which um let's talk primarily about the xbox show and then i also added some things kind of like towards the end of other things that i think that you would probably have things to say like street fighter uh, I, I added that because, hey, um, no, when it was m- me, Lothlin, and, and Rob, none of us had much to say about Street Fighter. I'm like, oh, hey, Street Fighter, that's pretty cool. And they're like, it's crickets. <laughs> uh, so I figured you would probably have something to say about that. But let's start it off. Um, Silk Song was shown. You seemed Fine. really into the Hollow Knight uh, sequel. Uh, announced for Xbox, Switch, PC, and no date. Just like, hey, it'll be on Game Pass. Don't worry about when it comes out. The the biggest just stab in the back and then a twist of the knife was showing that game and then not even saying what year it's planned for. Mm, I, do I, think, I do think they confirmed on Twitter that it is planned within the next 12 months. Because that's, that's meaningless. Kind of, yeah, but like, yeah, who knows? Like, it... it, it and really, they say that about all of these games. They're like, they, they launched the, the, the Xbox show and being like, these are all games you're going to play in the next 12 months. And I'm like, uh huh. <laughs> Some of them will be. <laughs> Some of them will not be. Any game can be delayed for any reason. There is no, like, just never listen to any person in the game industry. Uh, cause either they're, they're lying to you, it's PR talk, or they think it's coming and it's just not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, there's, there, there are cases where it's like, you hear enough things about this game, like, people playing it outside of, like, the, the, the core dev team or being like, oh, okay, this is pro, this is pretty sure that it's coming out. Um, or something that, like, gets really close to coming out and they're like, hey, we need to push this for three months. You can pro, not a hundred percent of the time, but you can probably assume, like, all right, this is probably going to come out in, you know, in three months. Silk Song. I- Dude, Hollow Knight is one of the best Metroidvanias ever released, and this this new one, which is like a one of the main characters of the game, uh, that like taller lady, the cool moves and the whole like Hornet stuff, and I, I just this game looks so polished and just like I'm so ready for it to take over my life, and it just seems like they're making cyberpunk too like why is it taking this long and then i remember there's like two guys making it and it's like could you guys like not hire like a couple extra helping pair of hands i i I, you know listen man making games is hard and i also understand that like if you have a working relationship it's like oh if we add a person that's going to change the dynamic and i understand like why you might not want to do that 
I don't know. Just like add a get a coder like to, to code in the middle of the night when you're asleep or something. It just doesn't seem like that. I also I wouldn't know. be surprised if if there are like if, if there is um like third parties help like if there is like oh we got a contractor to do these things or we outsourced our uh, localization like that stuff is very common. Yeah, that seems very standard to just like I, I read one of the Jason or both of the Jason Schreier books and um like the one guy who made Stardew Valley, he basically outsourced. Outsourced sounds like a, such a bad word, but like he hired like another company to take care of marketing, localization, like all these like little things that you don't really think about like PR marketing stuff like that. Um while he just focused on the game for 5 years. Yep. So, I, I'd imagine a lot of indie teams do that, like the people who make Cuphead but um, oh my god, Cuphead DLC is coming out! Oh, I'm so excited, Grant. It's on the list: Cuphead DLC, PlayStation, Xbox, oh! Switch, PC, June 30th. I also um, I saw a thing and put it on slash gaming today. Um, that is, there is as much animation work in the DLC as the entirety of the base game. It didn't look it. It looked like normal Cuphead, but I just want more Cuphead. So, um, you'll get more Cuphead at the end Good. of the month. So you're, per- you're, Good. you're in a, you're in a good spot. Uh, really, honestly, I feel like this, um, this naughty three cycle has been pretty strong for you and pretty weak for me. I would agree. I would also call it key three. Um, cause Jeff Keighley basically had his little fingerprints, little crappy hands over everything. Yeah. The, uh, the Sony state of play, you should have gotten me on because, like, all that stuff was for me. Capital mm-hmm. J. Jared. I love Resident Evil. I'm against the idea of remaking 4, inherently. Like, they should have just remade Code Veronica, but I will still play the hell out of it because RE4 is one of the greatest games ever made. Um, I'll try Final Fantasy 16 because it oh, hell yeah. like, I think it looks really good. Yeah, it's got, like, Souls-like combat, and it just doesn't look dumb. Like, 13 looked dumb, and I played that, and I was like, this is stupid. Um, I like 13, and I... I kind of love 15. I know 15 is is like a very controversial game that is polarizing, and I am on the I think it's pretty good side. I mean, more power to you. I mean, that, that's fine. Here's, I mean, I like Kingdom Hearts, so. I, I also like Kingdom Hearts, asterisk. I think lots of Kingdom Hearts is really bad, but I, I am I am glad that Kingdom Hearts exists, as I think is where I like I think there are only two good Kingdom Hearts games, and that's one and two, and like the rest of them are like either just oh, mediocre to bad. that PSP game is so cool! That's where all the cool shit is, is in that PSP game! Sure. I'll um, give it to you, I don't know. It, it, that PSP game's really cool. Uh, I, I, that's, that, that is like the... The Kingdom Hearts okay. game that I think is cool. All right, um, then there there are three good ones. Um, yeah, but the the Sony State of Play was great because it had Stray and a release date. It had Callisto Protocol coming this year, and I uh, Dead Space is awesome, and I'm so just up for more Dead Space games. And then it had yeah Street Fighter Six, which as a former semi professional. Street Fighter 4 player turned commentator um, and guy who made his master's thesis about fighting game community stuff in esports. I'm very, very tied to fighting games and Street Fighter in particular. A lot of my friends who I've met, we would buy arcade sticks and we would play. We would travel to different tournaments and play like that was pretty much all I did in college was like play Call of Duty and like that in Street Fighter 4. I hated five. Five is a disaster, which is one of the worst launches I've ever seen. The robot uh, seems like the biggest problem. Like that's really where they fucked it up. I also just don't like the mechanics. I don't like the way it felt. I, it, it took a long time for that game to become something that people enjoyed, but it is so esports focused where all the maps and costumes are like Capcom Pro Tour branding. And it just, there's a flow chart to it where it's like, you kind of know what your character needs to do in order to win. And it's sort of like a, 
it's like chess or it's like I go, you block, now you go, I block. I cannot tell you the last time I was so excited for a game and blown away by a trailer. I think 2007, this is, I'm in high school, and we would use the computers to watch the Grand Theft Auto 4 reveal trailer, and we would watch it over and over. We were so excited by that game, and I don't think I've watched the trailer so many times since then. Like, I, the reveal for Street Fighter 6 blew me away, and I'm I'm a cynic, I'm a skeptic, I hated 5, I took a long break from finding games, and this looked so good, Grant. Looks I'm good. so back in. Yeah, I think it looks good. Uh, Jared, the, the, the first time I played Street Fighter 4 was... Uh, when I bought uh, my 3DS, uh, pr- like pretty close to launch, I don't think it was launch day, but it was like probably within a week or so. Uh, I was traveling for work at the time, and I'm like, "Well, what game do I buy for it?" And I'm like, "None of these seem great. I guess I'll get Street Fighter Four. I-, I like Street Fighter. I guess I guess I'll get that." And so my first, my <laughs> I think for the first, I think I, got, I I think I also bought like a, a different game, a regular 2DS game or uh, not 2DS, a regular DS game, um, because I'm like, well, if I don't like the Street Fighter 4, I'll play this D- regular DS game. Um, and so the first 3DS game I ever bought was Street Fighter 4, which is probably not an optimal way to play it, but um, that was, you know, I had a pretty good time playing it by myself in the hotel room. <laughs> it's not the worst way to play that game by far. Um, what's interesting about that game is that you could tap, I think, the buttons on the bottom touchscreen to yeah. do special moves. Yeah. So, like, charge characters were broken because you could, like, very quickly do the Spam moves that you them. were not yeah or you could like walk forward and do stuff that where you were charging back or down so you could just like walk up flash kick or like walk up like sonic boom mm-hmm. um and there's a new modern control scheme for people like you who just want to do this like open world campaign mm-hmm. and like you just want to hit one button to do a hadoken yeah like, i mean whatever like i like, I learned how to, because, you know, like, I've played some Street Fighter 2, um, a little bit of Street Fighter 3. Uh, I really haven't played any of the, of the, like, spin-off ones. It's, I've only, only ever played in the numbered ones. Um, but, you know, like, I learned how to do, like, a, the, the, like, Chun-Li spin kick. I learned how to do that. Like, and I learned how to throw a fireball. So it's like, I'm familiar with, like, the basics of how to do a fighting game in the Street Fighter style, but it is definitely not what I have specialized in. But now you don't have to. Now you can just hit one button. Yeah, because it is like, I, I saw it referred to as, like, Smash-style controls. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this is great. I think this is a really, really awesome way for people who, like, the most copies of any one particular Smash Brothers, Tekken, or, or Mortal Kombat game, like, mm-hmm. the highest selling in those franchises are the most recent titles. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people who just want to play, have fun with their friends, or play the campaign. Yeah. And this is clearly designed to, like, light, medium, heavy... There's no button designated for punch or kick. We're going to take away certain moves that you can't, you don't have the full, you know, like kit, but who cares? Like you're just playing this for fun. So here's a button and you can just do like forward button is one move back button is Tatsu down button is sure you can like, that's fantastic. Yeah, because it's like, fundamentally, like, when I play a fighting game, like, I am definitely not memorizing, like, the entirety of someone's moves. Like, I'm not. So it's like, I will learn, like, let's say, like, four cool moves that I think I like. And I will just, like, you know, obviously, like, individual kicks, but I'll be like, oh, there's this combo that I think is fucking sick, and I'm gonna do that. And I have the ability to do four or five of those with this character, and that's it. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, um, 
with Street Fighter characters is not like I don't think there's like you know for most characters there aren't more than four or five special moves, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are like you know full motion, half motion, like tiger knee motion, like stuff like that. It's like not super intuitive, but mostly it's a lot of the unique command normals. So it's like with Guile, Guile's my main. Mm-hmm. If you hit like medium kick, he does a kick. But if you do forward medium kick, that's different. And if you mm-hmm. do medium punch. That's a punch. But if you forward medium punch, that's like an overhead. Yeah. And like there's just all these particular things you'd have to know, especially for like Dalsim and stuff like because he has short range limb moves and then stretchy long range limb moves. And those are all unique command normal. So yeah. like taking that out of the equation is a godsend for people who just want to play this on their Xbox now and have fun. Yeah, definitely. And and like I think about so like Mortal Kombat is probably the franchise that I've spent the most time playing. And some of those combos, they like they need need you to do like 12 inputs to do them and i'm like i'm not gonna remember the order of these <laughs> i'm not gonna remember that it's like okay do three down and then go to the right and then go back and then go up and then three down again i'm like i'm not gonna remember the shit yeah d- dude tekken combos are literally like one four four three two one three four two four and you're just like what yeah i i i am i'm sure like i know that like people definitely are capable of doing it but i don't spend enough time playing any fighting game to like really really spend my time memorizing all of that shit i'm like no i want to know how to do like four or five cool moves and i want to like what i'm going to spend my time memorizing is how to do a fatality <laughs> because those are the that's the cool shit yeah uh the reason i i'm more attracted to street fighter is because it is not as juggle heavy or combo heavy like mm-hmm. a marvel versus capcom yeah. or, or sort of some of the anime fighting games um, there's no tag system or, or three person team like in uh, uh, Capcom versus SNK or Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Yeah, it's literally just like footsies, mm-hmm. and it's more of like a, a, a mind games mm-hmm. and spacing. So it's not as like once I get a hit, I gotta like play the piano for ten minutes to like get this guy's health to zero. It's more like situational awareness, matchup knowledge, um, bluffing, uh, with punishing stuff like that. So. Uh, if any of that made sense, then uh, hell yeah, dude, that art style looks great. The music looks great. Everything about that game, they took the, the feedback and criticism of five and they were like, new team. We're just going to, you know, just just reconsider literally everything about this franchise. Yeah. And I am all in. Yeah. I think it looks good as, as somebody who is not as into Street Fighter and also like not into as not as into fighting games as as you. Um, yeah, seems good. I, I mean, I'm probably not going to spend the full price day one, but like, yeah, I'll want I will want to play that Street Fighter eventually when it is at a price that I'm willing to pay. So good job. They did. Hey, hey listen, you put out a fucking are you like you're in the process of putting out a video game that people like that sounds nice. Hopefully you don't fuck it up. Um, Redfall. I was like, when they first talked about Redfall, which I think was not E3 last year, or it was either that or it was the, whatchamacallit, the Keeley's Christmas thing. Um, the Game Awards. Yeah, the Game Awards. Um, I was like, yeah, okay, that looks interesting. It's multiplayer, so that means I probably won't put too much, but like, this looks good. When they showed it this time, I feel like the, the aesthetic has gotten worse. I like it less. I like it even less. I'm like going in being like, this is probably isn't for me. Um, but I, you know, I like Arcane, so maybe it will be like, like if you put all the stuff down about, about like Deathloop on paper where it's like, it has some Dark Souls in it. It has some like roguelike in it. I'm like, uh, black, black. 
Um, but I ended up liking that game, so I'm like, man, hey, man, you listen, maybe Redfall will be for me. I really did not like the way that game showed this time. I think there's leaked footage that came out like a year ago that was showing like the menus and like more of the RPG stuff, and they mm-hmm. definitely have said this is an open world game. You can play it like single player. It's gonna, you know, there's gonna be quiet times of like progression and puzzles and 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 environmental stuff, just like Dishonored and Prey mm-hmm. and Deathloop. But it just happens to also have some like not Destiny, but like Left 4 Dead kind of co-op stuff. Yeah, I'm into this, especially since my expectations and my my bar for quality has gone down precipitously for anything Microsoft makes because it's free. Mm-hmm. I'll play whatever for free. Sure. Free is great. I like I'm not all roiled up with anger about Starfield or Redfall because they're free. I don't pay for them. And I that mean, to me do, is great. But you know, you don't oh, pay a ten dollars a month for a whole bunch of other crap is like not. I, the, to me, it's free. Yeah. Um. I, it, like I didn't. I didn't hate it, but I was like, oh, I don't like. I like this less than I remember liking it. Um. So that was that. Uh. Plague Tale Two was uh, it's like a Plague Tale Requiem. I think is the is yes. the name. Um. PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, PC out this year. Um. I did you play the first one? I have it downloaded on my Xbox because again it's free on Game Pass, and I will play this one if it comes to Game Pass. And here's the here's the kicker. Here's my my ultimate point. The team behind Ghostwire Tokyo expects me to pay seventy dollars to play that on my ps5 i will wait until it comes to game pass mm-hmm. because there are just certain things i don't think people should be paying for like okay whatever games at full price i'm like no nah, not interested if you're like but what if this came to game pass then i'll be like yeah you have my weekend go for it um i think that you will end up having a good time with ghostwire uh when whenever you get around to playing it i think it, it is a it is a worthwhile endeavor um, I hope the same is the, the I hope the same is the case for a Plague Tale Requiem and Innocence because that seems up my alley, and I like I just I'm just waiting for like a dead period to like dive into it. It's cool. Like the first one is cool. It's it, it's it's pretty simple, but I do think that in the end it 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 is a pretty cool game, and I hope that the the sequel like polishes some stuff like there's some specifically some wonky stuff around like like the way you aim and things like that and like the 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 stealth is in the first game was like pretty solid but the combat is like i I, some some the way the smoothness of the combat it felt pretty it felt pretty like um jerky to me and i I didn't love the combat of it but i think overall it's it's a pretty cool game so i am i am interested to see what the next one is uh least like um as dusk falls i so this is the one that has like the the like static or or like motion like motion comic um where it's like it isn't really animating it's like here are like distinct frames that like blend to that that, they'll like transition to each other so it isn't like i am animating my arm from over here to over there it's like my arm is over here and then three seconds later my arm is over here (laughs) um I so I don't I don't necessarily hate the motion comic style but I think that the 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 aesthetic that they have chosen paired with the motion comic style is off-putting to me personally but if it has a really great story and it has the sort of like Walking Dead season one, like narrative branching paths that were that were interesting before they kind of ruined that. Um, and it's on game. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm like, listen, I'm, in, I'm interested. I'm then interested. You're, then you're in. Yeah, I, I am interested in playing it. That doesn't mean that I am not put off by the art style. <laughs> uh, I, I think because it also has like a uh, what is it called? Like they painted over in like an image. Like they took a photograph of a dude and then they like applied a Photoshop filter. <laughs> 
I'm super into it. I, I like the oil painting stuff. I don't know. I like it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I love narrative games. I love games that, that ask, cause like fundamentally, I am, I am not, I am like as interested in something that, that is like a, a, a visual novel as I am something that is like a, a third person action game or something like that. That those are both, those both do things for me. And when it's a game that like does multiple things, like, hey, here, we do our dialogue through a visual novel style, but then uh, the, our gameplay is this other thing. Uh, not to say that dialogue isn't gameplay, it often is, but, um, you know, our movement is some other, like our combat is done through some other thing. Um, it, as, as Dust Falls seems like showed okay to me, um, it definitely, it definitely like, they did the thing, um, that Quantic Dream did, that Quantic Dream did for, um, what the hell was the road? Uh, Detroit become human where here's our huge branching. Like here are all the possible options. They kind of like zoom out that like, this is all the ways these could play out. And I'm like, Oh, that is pretty cool. I do like that. Like I, I, there, there is plenty of legitimate criticism of quantic dream. And I agree with large swaths of it. I do think that, that it is oversimplified often where it's like all of everything that quantic dream has put out is dog shit. And I'm like, I don't know. There are, there are aspects of Detroit Become Human that I think are really fucking cool. And is there, is there some like eye rolling bullshit in there? Absolutely. Like there's some real bullshit in that game, but there's also really cool things going on in that game as well. And I feel like the, the cool parts always get lost out because like the dude at the top of that is such an asshole and they have all those additional problems and they want to tackle things like race and they clearly do not have the chops to tackle issues like race. Um, but there are cool things in there. So like the idea that people are taking, I mean, it's the same thing with he when heavy rain came out, people like, like telltale was stealing shit from heavy rain. Like they, they put out that Jurassic park game, um, pretty closely after heavy rain. And I'm like, Oh, they just took heavy rain. They, they did the thing that heavy rain did. And they're like, what if we made a heavy rain, but Jurassic park, it was bad. Um, I, I love, I, I love really, Jurassic park. really enjoy heavy rain. That was a, that's a fun, flawed, problematic game, but. I had such a blast playing that. I, I mean, I feel, I feel similarly about, uh, what the hell is the Beyond Two Souls and, and the Detroit Become Human. I had such a hard time remembering those names. I feel like they're too, like, weird and generic. Um, but like, yeah, there's a bunch of problems with these, but I, there, there are things in there. There are, there are aspects of it that I, that really vibe with me in spite of so many other additional problems with it. Um, so yeah, it's cool. I, I think, I think As Dust Falls looks cool and I will definitely play it. Um, the vast majority of the games that they showed are, did have like the coming to Game Pass thing at the, at the end of the trailer. Um, I mean, th that their job is to make us not cancel our subscription. Yeah. Like they really wanted to make sure that we don't cancel our subscription. And I'm interested in any game in which the primary gameplay mechanic is not shooting or punching. Yes. Like if you can, if you can not do either of those things and like you have my attention. Yep. Um, which is why I like platformers and puzzle games and Katamari Damacy and stuff. Um, it seems like if you're into that stuff, there's a lot of indies coming, but boy, does this, this holiday season just seem completely barren from literally every company on planet earth. Like it just seems like there's nothing coming out for the next six months other than like smaller things that we're both really interested in. Definitely. And then like a Batman, a Harry Potter and a dead space. 
that isn't even like the 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 Batman that you're or like the the DC thing that you're into that was actually interesting. Like the Gotham Knights is like the oh I see you're putting out this thing. This seems mediocre. Um, like uh, who knows? Maybe that game will be great when it comes out. I, I doubt it, but uh, it's possible. It. But like the Suicide Squad, obviously there's additional bullshit around the Suicide Squad. But it's like okay, well I want to see what that fucking studio. I want to see what Rocksteady has been fucking doing for so long. Um, but that's, we're not going to say the Suicide Squad for a long time. Um, oh, that is correct. Um, the next one is Pentiment, which is the storybook looking game from Obsidian. And my initial was like, my initial read was like, oh, I don't know if I love storybook stuff, but I then heard, uh, from, I think, I think it was a Patrick Klepek was saying that, uh, it, it, it is heavily inspired by the, by, um, Disco Elysium. And I'm like, well, fuck. Shit. <laughs> okay. Listen, Obsidian has made some great games. And if this game is like, hey, it's not, obviously this is a different tone and, and they're not dealing with, with the world of Discovery, but it's like, if that is the inspiration, that is like the vibe that they want to have, then fucking yes, uh, sign me up. I, I am all the way in now. Are the magic words for you to play anything literally like it's inspired by Disco Elysium? I mean, it, it, if if they if they said, I mean, think about Norco. Like the thing that get me, got me was like, hey, it is like Southern Gothic point and click, and I'm like, fucking yes, absolutely. Um, it, it, if a game is compared to a game that I consider one of the best games of all time. Then yeah, I'm gonna fucking play it. Uh, or like, I, I am going to default to, hey, I wanna play that. <laughs> um, if a game was like, hey, this is kind of like Nier Automata, like, uh, the, in the, um, in MiHoYo, um, the, the Genshin Impact people, they, they showed two games and one of them was ZZZ. And ZZZ, I'm like, oh, this kind of has Nier Automata vibes. Fuck, I want to play, I want to play that. Even if it isn't like, you know, all that near automata e. if it is evoking a thing that I really love, then yeah, I'm, I'm going to be at least somewhat interested. I, have I mentioned this before that I played near automata because it came to Game Pass and I was like, this is a fine PS2 game that I don't know why everyone's freaking out about. Oh my God. I love that game so much. I, Listen. I, I platinumed that game. I love, I love, oh, sure I did. love that game. It is, it does, it does it for me. And the thing that I think the reason why it does it for me extra special is that if you had like told me the like, Hey, we're going to do this game that's about like the humanity of robots. I'd be like, fuck off. This has been done a million times. Eat shit. But the fact that it takes some like very well trod ground and does really cool shit with it, um, I, mm, I, I really, really love Nier Automata. I mean, I- I'm a sucker for, and I'll play any Souls like or any game that is quote unquote immersive sim like Deus Ex. Those two camps, sign me up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I am very much looking into, uh, uh, Pentiment. And I think you also really, I think you liked the, the art style. You, the art style worked for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was a number of indie games, um, that were shown off that I'm like, yeah, I will, I will absolutely try that because the rest of 2022 is so barren that like, I'll give anything a shot. Like, I'm kind of getting through a lot of my like backlog for gaming. Like, um, Max Payne 3 came to a backwards compatibility and I got that for dirt cheap. I'm going to play Dragon's Dogma eventually. Like, there's just like a bunch of things installed. A Plague Tale, Rec- uh, uh, Innocence, 
Um, it feels like I, like those are achievable. Like I can get through those in July and August. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, because like there, there is, you know, summer is filling out a bit. Uh, they're like Stray is coming out. Uh, you know, Saints Row is coming out. Uh, I, I, yeah, Stray, Saints Row. I'm, uh, Ball uh, Guy, uh, Season two point, One. Two Point Campus is coming out. I don't know if you played Two Point Hospital, but like it is. A, no, but I've seen it. It's. I mean, I think that the, the aesthetic sucks, but I, but, uh, so Rob is, is British and, uh, um, oh, is he? Yes. Uh, and, um, so he played the, what the hell is it called? The, the, like the, the game that it is like in a spiritual successor to, I, I can't remember what it's called, but like it is a classic of the genre that people in, in the UK fucking know and love is very popular there and not very popular here. Um, so he really, really loves two point hospital. And I think it's, I think it's pretty fucking solid. And so the idea of here is the core idea of two point hospital, but it's a university and not a hospital does a lot for me because hospitals are kind of a bummer and universities are, you know, less of a bummer than hospitals. Um, I, I like Surgeon Simulator. Sure. It is pretty gross, though. Surgeon Simulator is very fun. Um, what else is on that list that you, you typed up for this podcast? Because there's like a billion things that we could talk about. But what were the ones that like we both highlighted as being like we Erebon, need to talk Erebon is the is, I think you, you you asked what it was and I was like I was like Mark of the Ninja Splatoon guy stabs robot. <laughs> Um, okay. uh, you know, the idea of doing a spl- the Splatoon Squid Kid thing, um, in Shadow sounds okay. I think that that's okay. I think it showed, like, the, the trailer was pretty okay. Um, Cocoon is, I, I, I have here written oh, down yeah. bug game. Yes. You seem Give to be more limbos. Uh, that is that, so this is one of the, one of the leads from like Limbo and Inside split off from that company and made a new company. And so I think this is, this is their first game from the, from the split. I'm what, so what, down. what about it? Cause this is, this is not sides, this is not a side scroller. This is like a, uh, like an o top down, like Zelda looking, uh, camera angle. What about it? Is it, is it just, is it just the pedigree? Is that, is that what gets you or do you really like the art style or what, what about it? I think for me, it's more gameplay. It's more the pedigree of who made it and puzzle platformer, spooky mystery thing. I mean, yeah. it's not like the art style is like, it burns my eyes, but like, I, I will, I will play this and I will enjoy it as long as it's good. Yeah. Um, Starfield, they showed some Starfield. I, um, everything about it as it comes out, I'm like, oh, it's a Bethesda game. It's a Bethesda game. They made No Man's Sky a Bethesda game. And I'm like, that is not my thing. I mean, like, I will probably try it out on Game oh, Pass. We're both going to play. I don't know if it'll be good, but it's free. I, so I am one of those people. I am one of those, uh, uh, that like really dislikes a lot of what Bethesda does. Um, I think Fallout 4 is fucking bad. <laughs> I think that is a bad game. Um, I also think Fallout 4 is a bad game. I think Skyrim has interesting elements and has a UI. The way that you deal with, like, the way you interface with, like, um, selecting things with the D-pad while you're playing the game fucking rips. And nobody stole that from them. And it drives me crazy because I'm like, they, this is the cool shit they did. And nobody stole that from them. Uh, bizarre. Um, I think that there's like 
interesting things, but I think, like, largely the world, their super hyper-generic fantasy setting does nothing for me. As someone who's played almost every Bethesda game, um, that company was not flawless, but close to flawless when they made Oblivion and Fallout 3. And I love Fallout 3, and I love New Vegas. And they've just made worse and worse games ever since. Like, I don't think Skyrim holds up. People love to play Fallout Skyrim. 4, I know, but... I I don't, but people love it. Fallout 4 was bad, yep. and 76 is a disaster, and this looks like another Bethesda game. Uh-huh. I understand people's, like critiques of it and and their skepticism i would have been in that camp if not for the fact that again like i i'm not gonna plop down 150 dollars on the collector's edition like i did with fallout 4 thinking it was gonna be good that was one of the most disappointing things that i ever got burnt on so like having to spend zero dollars to try out starfield like sure it's mass effect and destiny and no man's sky and like fallout kind of mixed together like those sound like things that would make a good game, and I'm sure it'll be kind of what I'm looking for as long as they don't, like, force me to build a camp and, like... Oh, you're going to be building. I don't want to build anything. I, gonna, I don't have you're the gonna brain build to it. build a spaceship or or deal with, like, any of that crap. Like Bad just, news, Jared. That's what the game is. Let me pick perks and level up and shoot things and, and run into weird places and loot and then find a person who has a quest for me. Like, let me just do that. So this is like the literal opposite of of something like Pentiment, where it's like let's let's dive deep into a very specific thing. Um, this is like let's make it broad. Let's let's have thousands of planets with very little on them. And I'm like, I am so so tired of like big scale and low density. I want small scale, high density. I want a good game. I don't have any sort of like caveats of like it has to be specifically this or that. Like if you're good enough, then I will play you. But how do you know if it's good until you play it? Here. Well, I'll play anything if it's free on Game Pass. Sure. That's, see that like that's like I feel like this is a, a disease that hasn't been infecting me where I just keep saying that like it's the best deal in gaming. Like I'm like a corporate chill, but like honestly, shouldn't every game be free? <laughs> If, like Overwatch I, I, 2 I, got I, revealed. I can imagine crazy. a world in which uh, everybody was was given um, housing and food and medicine, um, and then we all, everybody uh, worked or like created just for the common good. And yes, in the, in that world, I agree with you. Games should be free. So like Overwatch 2 had like a big thing, and like I, I really loved Overwatch, and I was playing the hell out of it. And then like Blizzard told them that they needed to like make the Overwatch League and esports a bigger deal, and then they just like stopped updating it and like a whole bunch of stupid crap happened but now overwatch 2 is free and there's no more loot boxes and i was like it should have just been that like 10 years ago yeah but it's battle passes which is just which is just like the 2020s loot boxes it's the same it's like same shit like reformed a little bit like it's in a different path like it is still the same bullshit of like pay us a lot of money for very little it's i'm not going to defend it but i will say it's it is it is better to know what you're getting and what you're paying for. There isn't like a blind slot machine element to it. You know, like kids aren't like spending thousands of dollars and getting bullied because they don't have certain like it's it's technically better. But I just kept thinking, I was like, why isn't just everything free? like these games should be free? Like any multiplayer game, just make it free. I don't care. Just just do it. Like, I don't want to have to pay for things because I'm not getting my friends to pay money for certain games. And I Microsoft is really opposite. making me think like fuck man like everything just give me just give me this for free just buy the companies make it free the, i feel like it's the i feel the exact opposite where it's like anytime something is free or has the illusion of freeness i'm like 
fuck, this is a scam. Let, like, sell me a game for 60 or $70 or whatever. It will go on sale eventually. So I don't, if I am not really into it, if I'm only like mediocrely into it, I can wait for it to go on sale. Sell me the full price game and make it the whole game and never bother me again <laughs> is what I want. But like, then it's like I haven't bought Kirby or Ghostwire Tokyo, two games that I know I would like because I'm not like those are. That's like, a, those that's a you problem, like, Jared. I'd beat those in two days and I'd like them. And then I would think, what could I have done with that $70 instead? Don't buy it when it's new. Wait for it to go on sale. Kirby's never going on sale. Okay, you but like, what, like whatever, like the Nintendo stuff. But like Ghostwire Tokyo will absolutely be thirty dollars in 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 by the end of the year. I also buy for two because my brother and I do this Xbox trick. Hopefully, no one's listening. Phil Spencer, we do a trick where he signs in on my console and I sign in on his console, and anything either of us buy, we both get in our libraries, so we yeah. both kind of like share a library. I think that's kosher. I think that's just the way it's designed. Okay. Then, but like, I'm always buying things for the two of us. Yeah. And if it's on PlayStation, that's not the case. And if it's on Steam, that's not the case. At least Steam, everything is dirt cheap. Like everything is like super, super, super duper cheap. But on consoles, it's not the case. I, With but here's Game the thing. Pass as an equalizer. They go on sale so often though. That like, are, are you looking at PlayStation sales? Because there, there are sales every week and I'm like, Oh man, all of these games are games I already own and they are like $15. <laughs> Everything I buy is on Xbox, and everything I buy on PlayStation is a PlayStation exclusive. You gotta wait for sales, man. The, the, the Sony has deep sales. I mean, same thing with like Xbox; they have deep sales too. They um, do. They. Do. I'm not. I'm not like saying I, I, I refuse to pay for any video game ever. But Kirby's never going on sale. Kirby's never going on sale. Come on. Um. Okay. So we are hit at five thirty. Just I. Re- so there's some other. There's Diablo four. I don't have a lot to say about Diablo four. I don't know. Um. Uh, but like I don't know. I like Diablo. I like. I liked Diablo three a lot. Once once they had unfucked it from its initial release when they had fixed it. It was good. So it's all right. Um, the other thing, the there's the the ninja theory thing. Whoa, long. Um, I don't, I don't care. Um, I don't care. Flintlock seems like something you might like because I think that is like yeah. a little souls likey. Yeah, yeah, um, it's good and on Game Pass. Yeah. The major thing is, could they got Kojima to record like forty five seconds? Yep. Um, and did not show anything of the game. It doesn't seem like that is a game yet, or even close to being a game. Um, they also, he just said that, like, he's using Microsoft's, like, cloud tech, like, Azure, which is fine. Like, that's cool. Like, you can use that for things. That's, that's great. Uh, it does, it, at least what they have said so far doesn't actually imply that it is a exclusive, an Xbox exclusive or a Microsoft exclusive. It just seems like they really wanted to get Hideo Kojima there because that's going to get them headlines and, like, good press. But th- there's no reason, until they say anything more, there's no reason to necessarily believe that it's even an exclusive. That's okay, because Sony has a lot of studios in Japan who make games for only PlayStation and PC that yep. do not come to Xbox. Yep. And it's very rare that something like Persona or Yakuza will will make it there to Game Pass. There's a lot of things like Neo that are just stuck on PlayStation yep. and, and, like, Death Stranding, a strand game. Uh, so this new... You know, reportedly horror game called Overdose, which is like his PT follow up that stars Margaret. What's her face? The actress. But we don't know that this is that because the way that they're talking that this game doesn't seem to doesn't seem to be 
like anywhere, like even maybe even not even in development yet. So I would bet that 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 horror game is not part of this thing. Is not using the interesting. I thought those were this. Okay. I mean, there, there's, there, you know, it's we could we could learn tomorrow that that the, everything we know is on its head. But based on what I know through what was leaked about that horror game, and what was said not on stage but close to on as close to on stage as possible in Naughty Three, um, those don't seem like that game that was announced on on the Xbox thing doesn't seem to be like they even de- started developing that game yet. Like, they just signed a deal. Like, in the same way that, like, um, Andrew Ryan did the when they signed the deal on PlayStation with Hideo Kojima to make Death Stranding, it's like... Wait, Andrew Ryan from Bioshock? I'm sorry, not Andrew. What the hell? What the hell's his name? Who's the, the former head of the, the, like, the Welsh guy that was the head of Sony? Is I'm Andrew Ryan. Is his name not Andrew Welcome Ryan? to Rapture. Well, I'm, I'm gonna it's a man not entitled to the sweat of his brow. Andrew House? Andrew House, that's his name. Um, and when he, he, you know, he came on and spoke in Japanese and stuff. Um, oh, and- Jim Ryan. Jim Ryan and Andrew House. You okay, I, I merged those into my head. Um, Andrew House. Um, it was like, Hey, we gate, we're writing Hideo Kojima a check to make a video game. It was clear that like they had not started making that video game in any major capacity. Like maybe they had begun, like they had written on a, like a, on a blank page, like what could, what could a video game be? They had not started in, in, in practice. Um, I, I got that same vibe here where it's like we have signed a contract that we will use your technology in a game one day. <laughs> I have been hearing about this for six months from Grub Snacks, the podcast that uh, Jeff Grubb does, who's now like the number one like go-to reporter for like leaks and rumors. Definitely. He's been talking about them getting this contract worked out for like six months straight. Uh, they finally got it done. And we'll find out more in 2027 when yeah. uh, they're actually done with it. Yeah. I mean, listen, man, Death Stranding didn't have that big of a turnaround. Like, I think it was like three years. It was a pretty normal. It was a pretty reasonable turnaround. Because he went to uh, Gorilla and said, let me use this engine. Uh, and they're like, yeah, sure. Well, he should license engines and then just make shows with those engines. <laughs> I agree. He should stop making his own engines. I mean, that was fine in the PS2 days, PS1 days. But now, just use someone else's. Yeah. I mean, li- like, listen, I-, I-, I am definitely of the opinion that, like, th- the more that everything collapsing down to using, like, two or three, uh, like, tech stacks is bad. Like, I don't want every game coming out in 2025 to, to be on Unreal Engine 5. I think Unreal Engine 5 is really cool. Everything that I have seen has been really great, but I don't want every game to be on the same technology. I want other people to be making cool tech. Um, that doesn't mean that every game developer needs to make their own tech, but I certainly would like diversity in tech. Um, okay. I need to wrap this up, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get, we'll score it out of 10, the, like the, the naughty three to date. Uh, the key three this year, I, I like doing letter grades. Can I do letter grades? Sure. The Sony one was an A. The Keeley one was a D. Yeah. The Microsoft one was a B. Yeah. I think we're I pretty close. The Capcom one, that was an F. That was a worthless. Um, I would, I would say something similar. I would probably, for me personally, I'd probably put the, the Sony one at a B. And I would put the Keeley one at probably like an, like a, like a D or an F. And then I would put the Xbox one as like B, B minus, like, pr- like pretty close. Like I, yeah. I, 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 um, yeah. similar, similar, but not nothing, nothing, um, setting, you know, setting nothing blowing my skirt up, let's say. Um, let's, let's wrap this sucker up. Where can people find you on the internet, Jared? At Jared Russo and on dig.com. Check it out. And if you want to see what I do, head over to grantbruner.com. For the Weekly Roar, I'm Grant Bruner. And I am Jared Russo. Have a good one. 
Cry and I probably won't hear you Because it's loud with the shop back 